This is Safety Bry, your number one safety geek. Why do we have the behaviors that we do? Superheroes in the workplace, right? All of those things that go into making you an effective safety manager. I love what we do. Motivation, learning, teaching, training, teamwork. I geek out over that just as much as I do safety. Hello, 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 my safety friends. This is Bri, and you are listening to the Safety Geek Podcast. How are you guys doing today? Today, we are talking about conducting safety meetings remotely. But first, I want to touch base. How are you guys doing with the virus? Has your city, state, county, whatever authority you're listening to, have they loosened up any of your restrictions? At the time of this recording in the state of Florida, they announced that schools are going to be closed till the end of the year, which was kind of a given because by the time they were going to open up, we would have only had like two weeks of class left because school gets out before Memorial Day here in Florida. So I was like, that's kind of a given. And today I'm recording this April 18th, 19th. April 19th. And today they opened up the boat ramps. So in all of our parks. So that's kind of interesting. So I have a question for you. I am a bit torn about something. So I agree with the fact that we should be wearing face coverings when we go out. I thought this should have been in place a while ago. I think I even mentioned that on a podcast. In my household, I always keep N95 masks, mainly because I have children with extremely severe allergies. So if I'm doing yard work or cleaning or anything like that, it kind of sets off their allergies. So we have the masks and they don't wear them properly. It's really like, that's what I just happen to have around the house, but they wear them so that way it keeps their allergies under control while doing yard work and cleaning. And so I have these masks, because I've had them. And actually, in January, when I saw this coming, I went out and I got another box. So I'm not hoarding masks. So don't get me wrong there. I have enough for me and my two kids to each have like five each or something like that. Because I did give some away to some friends who had to go into a nursing home. But anyway, I'm like, I have to go out to Staples, I have to go to the doctor this week, I have to go, I have to leave the house a couple times. And, and I know I'll wear my mask, but now I feel kind of funny because I'm in the proper kind of mask because I know that the N95 is the best defense against a virus compared to a cloth covering mask, which is what everyone's recommending so that you save the N95s for the medical profession. And I know that friends of mine where they work, they were actually issued N95s. So, but I don't know, I just kind of feel weird wearing it just because I feel like, oh, I should give it to the healthcare people and not hoard it for myself when I'm extremely low risk of even getting the virus, Um, let alone, you know, having severe reaction to it. So I don't know. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And we'll see how it goes when I go to the doctor this week. I'm honestly thinking they're going to cancel the appointment. It's a recheck. It's not even like anything major. It's a one-year anniversary from surgery. Just check on me. And my last doctor's appointment, they did by FaceTime. So I'm thinking that this might be the same and I might not even have to leave my home. So we'll see. But if you have any opinions about that, make sure you pop them in the comments. I would love to hear about it. So what I wanted to talk about today is something that, yes, it does apply during virus times, but 
it also applies in general, right? Which is conducting safety meetings remotely. So if you work in a business where you have, um, maybe you're working from home now, so you, you physically as the trainer are remote, but maybe you also have domicile facilities. So you're working at one location, but you have multiple other locations. So I used to be the safety manager or the safety director actually of this company that we had 22 locations throughout Florida and Georgia. So they were all considered domicile locations. I had a couple of safety managers under me to handle my larger locations, but even like the little locations that only had five employees, five drivers, you know, I wanted to make sure that I touched them as well. So you might also have like remote workers. So let's say that you run a company where you have people going to do inspections or audits at other facilities. They don't ever really come into the office. They're just working remotely. Uh, salespeople would be remote workers or drivers. Drivers are a really big are, are a really big problem for a lot of people because they might start their day in the middle of the night and then you never see them, you know, to even do safety meetings with them. So drivers can be tricky. And that's what I had when I was the safety director for that company because some of our locations, there were only drivers at those locations. And it wouldn't, wouldn't even be a building. It would be like a shed on a farm. <laughs> and our drivers would just kind of keep their stuff there and everybody came and went at different times. The thing is, is that even though they're remote and even though they're hard to get to, they still need safety training. And it's extremely tempting to clump it all together because that's the easy way out, right? To catch them at a quarterly meeting or an annual meeting and do all the training all at once. That's tempting. You'll get your check mark. I will tell you it works. You get your check mark. What it doesn't work is to actually build safe behaviors and getting people to follow your SOPs. And it's just not as effective versus a weekly or a monthly meeting. The more frequent, the more frequently you can do your safety meetings, the more effect they're going to have. So what you need to do is consider the safety sensitive nature of the job. And if it's extremely safety sensitive, you want to up their frequency. But if it's not, let's say it's a salesperson where their safety is basically entering other people's facilities and driving their vehicles, and maybe some home safety, because yes, you can get injured working from home. You know, they're not as safety sensitive, so monthly or quarterly may work for them. So first, you want to consider the safety sensitive nature of the job. And if it is a highly safety sensitive job, and you're only doing your meeting quarterly, basically, you're just getting your check mark. Don't think you're really getting anything out of it other than that, that check mark to pass an OSHA inspection, if you had to. There's no way that would even hold up in court, right? So if they got injured based on something that you were only training annually on, like you only did safety training once a year, that lawyer would tear you up. I'll tell you that right now. So make sure you look at it that way as well. And how I want you to think about this is think about your own situation. What when what is your reaction when you only have a manager's meeting that is every so often. So I work for this company where we only got together for a manager's meeting once a quarter. That was it. And I will tell you, it felt like that company didn't care about me. They didn't even pay attention to what I was doing. I wasn't really working hard because of that, because they weren't even really paying attention to what I was doing. So how would they know? They never called me. They never checked in on me. I would get an email every so often, and 
once a quarter, we would have a meeting and do training. And that was it. So think about yourself when you're in that position. How do you feel? How frequently do you want to touch base with the people on your team? And the same thing would apply with your workers, right? So even though people complain about safety meetings, they complain about it more when they are infrequent. So when you start doing safety meetings on a regular basis, like if you talk safety every day, like if part of the pre-shift meeting has a safety component to it, people don't complain about safety that much. And then if you do it once a month, then they see it as an interruption in their day. And that's when they start complaining about it. So think about that frequency also. It does increase compliance, but it also increases, is it participation? Is that the word I'm thinking of? Or the fact that they would like it more? I don't know. I can't think of the word. But you want to make sure that you have a really good frequency on your safety meetings. And that becomes hard when your employees are so far away. I know that one of my locations one time when I was a regional, you know, I had 39 locations I was in charge of. And one of my locations, they would have domicile locations in another state or even two states over. And they would never see those employees. Like when they even hired those employees for those positions, they had to go to that state and like rent an office and hire those people. So It's difficult, but it doesn't mean that they shouldn't be touched by the safety meeting. And it's just unfair, right? Because that person, one state over, is at just as much risk of getting injured, seriously injured, as the person that's standing right in front of you. So they deserve to get the safety training as well. So don't forget about those people. So I want to go over different ways that you can actually accommodate safety training remotely or for remote workforce. Now, the obvious choice is when they come in for meetings. A lot of times when you have domicile locations or remote workers, once a quarter or once a year, they're going to come in for meetings. That makes it really easy to knock out any safety training. Um, Drivers meetings, sometimes they'll do those every month or every six weeks or once a quarter. You can knock out some safety training while they're there. You know, So that's one way to do it. Another idea is to go to them. If all of your locations are within a region, then you could go to them. So when I was the safety director, I had 22 locations in Florida and Georgia. I actually once a quarter visited all 22 locations. And this is important, not just for safety training, but for FaceTime. So that way they actually got to see me, see that I cared. I got to see their working conditions and make sure that it is what was getting reported to me, that type of thing. And what I would do is if I had a larger location, because out of the 22, some were small, some were large, and like I said, some had their own safety managers, those I would meet with monthly. So once a month, I would go to those locations. Because sometimes you're talking like six hours away from me in another state and all of that. So um, that's one idea too, is that you go to them. And you just want to make it on a regular basis if you can, if you're doing that. The problem with them coming to you or you going to them is that you're not going to get the frequency that you want. So this is where it is a good idea, especially if it's a safety-sensitive position, to supplement those live in-person meetings with other ways to get safety information to them. All right, so I want to talk about a couple of -of out-of-the-box ideas. Some you've probably heard of before and maybe a few you haven't. So the first one 
is self-study. This is where you actually write up like a safety topic. And you could do this two ways with self-study. I'll talk about the paper way first. So the, the paper way is very manual. You write up a safety topic. Maybe you grab an article off the internet and you ask, you know, a handful of questions to go along with it and you have them turn it back in. So a lot of places use this method. So it's almost like a brochure. It's like two sides of a piece of paper. You write everything up, answer the questions, you're getting the information out to them. You can even attach, you know, you have to do this as part of your job. Disciplinary action can come if you don't do it. So it's like if you don't do this, you're, it's like not attending a safety meeting type of thing. So you could do that. And that works very, very well. When I did this, we're talking 15 years ago, I used to do a different color paper every month. So that way it was easy to track that it was a new topic. Um And we would change it up. So it was like one time it might be like an OSHA-related topic. One time it would be like a DOT-related topic. One time it would be an EPA-related topic. And we would get through just, hey, bringing safety to the forefront. But then at the quarterly meetings, we would do all the mandatory training that I really, that per regulation, I needed documentation for. And that worked really, really well. Now, that's a lot of paperwork to track, especially when you have 500 employees and you're sending it out and it's coming in and all of that good stuff. So computerized training is another way to do self-study. And computerized training is great, especially if you are extremely computer savvy and you can have like a training system with an LMS. And um, there are lots and lots of subscription services out there now. You can even use multiple. So I used to have one for my defensive driving and one for my um, OSHA training and all of that. So you could do that as well. The problem with computerized training is one, they have to have access to a computer. And one thing this virus is showing us is that not all households have access to computers. I'm seeing that a lot with our school system. And they might have tech issues. That was one thing I struggled with is the tech issues. And um, me trying to help them over the phone. So if you can get a computerized system where there's an app or something like that, that does make it easier. You do have to maintain their login information. So that becomes a problem as well. So having a secure system and making sure they're logging in and tracking it. Uh, The downside is you really don't ever know it's them doing it, right? They're logging in, yes, but, you know, people could be lying and having somebody else log in for them. That's a really, that's that's a big stretch, though. I wouldn't worry about that one too much. But the biggest issue is the tech side of it, that especially if you have a workforce that isn't, like, they're doing a lot more manual labor, they're not used to being on computers all the time, it might be tricky for them. So another idea, going back to paper, and that's why I like paper, because it's generally not confusing to anybody, and they can just do it and turn it in. It's just hard on us for tracking purposes. So this one idea that I saw, which I thought was pretty amazing, and it's really good for your non-safety sensitive people, is that you put all of your training in a workbook. And you can get it like spiral bound. I actually go to Staples and get stuff spiral bound now, but I know a lot of offices have the machines that'll do it for you. And you give them a workbook every year and you, this is your safety workbook. And then every month you tell them which part of the workbook to turn in. So that way you're not having to print it out and send it, but you can have them. So it's basically a whole collection of those safety topics, but they're turning it in 
at the end of the um, at the end of the month or whenever whenever you're asking them to collect it. So what was nice about that, and I talked I actually talked to employees that used it. It was on their sales team and their office staff. That's how they did their safety training. Uh, they got to they would sometimes do a couple months ahead, so they kind of like that. But in the book, they got to keep everything as a reference. So a lot of the people I talked to, they actually had it on their desk for the whole year so they could actually reference back to it if they needed to. So I thought that was a really great idea. I don't think it works all that well for safety sensitive positions because you're giving them, it's almost like doing an annual meeting type of thing. So the workbook's a good idea, but you know, you gotta be, you gotta make sure you're still getting that FaceTime in there too. And speaking of FaceTime, now that everybody in the world knows what Zoom is, you could do safety meetings over Zoom. Zoom is an amazing application, I will tell you. I've been using it for years. What I really like about it is how easy it is to use, and the phone app is amazing. I mean, think about it. Kindergartners right now are using Zoom. So you can set up Zoom calls and require them to come to one that's convenient to them. Easy for you to take attendance because you can see everybody's face. Um, And Zoom has the ability, I think you have to pay for the service to do this, but it has the ability for you to download the chat and the participant list. So that way you'll easily know like this is who was there. You can even record the calls for documentation purposes, but it's just super easy to use and it's super fun. And then you can get people talking to each other, you know, turn the Zoom meeting on 10 minutes before the meeting actually starts and let your workers who are generally remote have a 10 minute, you know, conversation and happy hour. I will tell you those few minutes before the the training starts is always so much fun. So I would definitely use that as an idea for your domiciled locations. Now I had another location that did kind of the same thing, but they did it over a conference call instead of a video call. So they, they did this for their safety committee and I thought it was amazing. So because they had so many drivers that were not at their facility, they kind of felt like drivers did not get representation in their safety committee. So what they did is they issued a conference call number and a day and a time. And they said, if you want to participate in safety committee, here's the number. And they would always have a handful of drivers call in. So if you take that idea and you spread it out further into this is the monthly safety meeting, and maybe you do it every single week so that way they can pick a day and time that works for them and then they call in and they can just listen to a safety discussion and then they can answer questions and all of that on there you have to get to know everybody's voice it's a bit harder than video calls but I think that 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 idea would definitely work now my absolute favorite idea not that it's as effective as a paper idea or the zoom call but I'm a podcast junkie, as you can guess. And there are services that will allow you to create a private podcast that is just for your employees. And I will tell you, recording a podcast is not that hard to do. It's all the other stuff that I do to go with it. You know, the editing and the promotion and sending you guys emails to let you know the new podcast is out. That's a lot of the work. So for you to do do a safety meeting over a podcast is not that difficult. So if you think about it, send out maybe a paper guide to go with it. And so here's the podcast 
um, study guide this week, and then you send out the private podcast for them to listen to, and they just have to submit the question, submit um, maybe some answers to to quiz questions. I think that would be a lot of fun. I've also seen a couple of promotion companies where within their podcast or within their broadcast, they hid some phrases or some words that you then had to include in your submission for like a raffle or a drawing or something. But you can take that same concept and say, you know, you have to tell me what I said at, you know, when we were talking about this part of the training to get credit for the meeting. So that way you can make sure that they're actually listening to the podcast and not just saying it and answering the questions. So you want to make sure that they listen. And that could be one way that you do that. So those are my ideas to have a safety meeting remotely. Here's the thing, guys, you just want to make sure that just because the employee is not present, is not like right in front of you, that you're not foregoing safety training. You have to put somewhere in your program how you are training those people. And I know know I'll talk about this in the future because I had planned on it at one point, but even evacuation drills for remote employees have to be done if at any point in time they come on property. So that's the other thing that you want to think about, and we'll talk about that more in the future. But just because they are not in front of you does not mean that they don't get safety training. So work it into your into your schedule. Maybe try different ways. Maybe start with um, a Zoom call and see how it goes. And if that doesn't work well, then try to do the self-study with paper. And if that doesn't work well, then maybe try the workbook. So just try different things until you find what works for your people. And I will tell you what I found when I had all of my locations is that what worked for one location didn't work for another. So be flexible as well. And maybe you have one area that you just do self-study on paper, but another uh, location that you do Zoom calls with. So it's all depending upon the culture of that particular location. Alrighty, that is all that I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed it. And I will chat with you next week. Bye bye. You know what? I have a hunch that you have a BSF, a best safety friend who would love to know about this show. Well, don't keep it to yourself. Sharing is caring. Stop what you're doing right now and forward this show to them. They will thank you. And don't forget to check out the show notes and links for this week's episode at thesafetygeek.com.